Welcome to Moving Target, my Rockfin exclusive. Joining me today is Mark Steves, the host and founder of the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast. Love the title. To discuss today in general, like how his opinions have evolved throughout this entire, I mean, really, we could talk about pre-COVID, into COVID in general, like just how this COVID illusion has seemed to have shifted people's perspectives and how those opinions have evolved throughout his process with the podcast and how that may have created wedges in his personal life and, you know, do a little spotlight on his work and what that's done and overlapping with how I think a lot of us feel today, where we are in a position right now where let's just take the people out there that are maintaining a stance on of objectivity and referencing verifiable information while still questioning it. Not the people that are argue or subjectively throwing things out, which they have a right to say what they want. But the point is the people that are sticking to what they can prove and still being shouted down by their family, still being cast out as the one person who doesn't get the science and so on. We oh, There's a lot of us out there that understand what that's like. So let's have the person on who literally named his podcast after that. Mark Steves, how are you today, man? It's good talking with you again, since we just had a conversation on your show. Yeah, dude. Thank you so much for inviting me here. Thank you, of course, for joining me on my show. I'm also on Rockfin. And uh, yeah, my family's thought I was crazy uh, way before COVID happened. Yeah, I was probably more prepared than, you know, your run of the mill red pill guy who got into this in the last five years, uh, not to brag or anything for you know most of the time it wasn't a a bragging point in any realm of society you know like Mm -hmm. there was no cool points from being a conspiracy theorist up until maybe two years ago did i that freeze on you i don't know if my connection is your audio is good it's a little bit choppy but your audio is coming through pretty good okay but just to pick up on that no worries just to pick up on that and go and and there's a little delay just so we can keep that in mind going forward. But just to pick up on what you said there, it's, you know, it's interesting to see that there has been a very interesting shift in this. And I don't know if I think that's intentional. could be. But I think because of just kind of if we had to make a surface level point and a guess into it, that they're the clumsy way they've conducted themselves, which I think is because there's some kind of an end game point that they think they have to meet, that they've exposed a lot. You know, the COVID-19 agenda was very clumsy. Ukraine is still and all of them are still very clumsy. So it's an interesting point to think about is that, you know, that people before all of this, I mean, they love to frame them as, you know, conspiracy theorists, as people that were doing so for some nefarious reason or because there was money in it. I mean, that's never been the truth. First of all, the, the profitability of lying and conspiracy theory today, maybe you could argue there's some kind of a difference there. But it's interesting to see that they really wanted people to think that it was nefarious, but there was really no benefit back then to point out, well, the government's lying about this, you know, and to continue to do so during that time just shows you a dedication to, at the very least, what you believe to be true, you know. So let, let's start with what was going on before COVID, because I'm interested by that. So what let's let's put it let's start from the beginning of your show in general. So why did you pick the name? Where did when did you start the podcast? And then also just tell us about the podcast itself and what else you do in general. I know you book for. Uh, tinfoil hat i understand right now let's go ahead and let us know yeah right on so like i said it started a long time ago i've always been interested in things that are strange things that are uh out of the norm um i particularly got interested in military history politics at a strange age and of course being born in 2011 one i'm losing you within an hour 
Hold on a second. I'm losing you. No worries. Go ahead. I, the, it was good up until a moment ago, but the audio started getting real bad right there for a second. But go ahead and take a second try, if you're going to try to fix something. But uh, either or just probably internet gremlins these days causing these things to happen constantly. But it is uh, an interesting that to what you were just saying. While I'm giving you a second to do that, it's you know the the topics that were that were considered conspiracy theory a long time ago. Most of these, the larger ones, to some degree or not, have been fleshed out. Geoengineering fluoride in the water with these things were like lunacy crazy you know very not that long ago so it, it, how you doing over there still don't have you i hope we didn't lose you that'd be too bad i don't have to ad lib for another five hours which yeah, i'm not too bad at doing that but the, <laughs> i hope we get you back so i was really excited to talk to you about this in general about uh and by, by the way those listening this is one of the reasons why it's hard to do you know, to do live shows when there's interviews, I often tend to do interviews recorded and then play them for this exact reason, because you can set up an entire show and then, you know, technocracy happens and then you, you lose connection. If you can hear me over there, Mark, try to jump out and jump back into the, of the stream. Maybe that'll help. But uh, one of the things I really wanted to go, let me take the moment actually, since uh, we lost you to just kind of shout out your work here. Here's the, the um, sub subscribe star, right? The, the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast. You can support him here. Here's the uh, t shot, the t shirt shop where he's got different t shirts on T Public. Got to get you set up with uh, Truth Clothing. And then the Podbean list of the actual podcast. <clears throat> those looks like he dropped out. Let's hope he comes back in. That would be great. But since I got you here, for those that are on the Rock feed, let me actually look and see what we got live in general. I don't tend to look on these. We got six of you guys tuned in. PB and Jelly, how you doing? Thank you for being here. For those that are here now, that means that you are subscribed to the Rockfin stream and the platform, which thank you for the support, because this will go out as a podcast a couple days later for everybody, because you guys know how I feel about paywalls, but this is important because Rockfin is, you know, this is helping supporting the show in general. But the whole premise of today, hoping it comes back, is to talk about the interesting dynamic between the family unit. And I've, I've written about this long before COVID-19. I actually wrote a paper about this when I was in culinary school. In, in in particular about the shifting dynamic of like the family dinner, the family unit. And, and you know, from a culinary kind of minded perspective, the, the, the kind of degradation of the family unit all the way back then and why that was. In, I mean, obviously you can see my conspiratorial mindset all the way back then, long before I got into this, talking about how it was, you know, intentional to a degree and and how the the the, the t television and the division of po and political divisions drove people to you know basically the, the dad's up there in the office the mom's down here doing something and they're the kids watching tv off the coffee table eating while and what happened is you effectively lose one of the most important moments in a family unit which is whether it's dinner or whatever else it's collecting and discussing, you know, how was your day? What did you learn? What did you think about? Let's challenge that idea. What did you, you learn in school? Well, here's what I think about that. And here's why I think that's different, accurate, correct, not correct. I mean, whatever. And having an actual conversation. This is one of the reasons I think that during holidays, Thanksgiving, Christmas, and so on, they're so adamant about like, don't, don't go, don't get together with your family. Don't, don't, don't connect. Don't do close because X, Y, and Z. I really genuinely believe a part of that is to stop people from having these kind of conversations and, and challenging ideas, but also you lose that cohesive family connection, just caring about each other, wondering what's going on in their lives. And this is why you have things where they, you know, kids will do things and the parents are like, I had no idea they even thought like that. You know why? Because 
you're invested in your little your little world focus not to demonize people that you know it, it's a construct of the world today that's been created and it's very sad so the point of what his podcast you know that his family thinks he's crazy it's just it's really interesting how hard that is today i was actually just talking about this with my family my mom and specifically about people in our family that are adamant like in in contradiction to things that we can straight up prove today things that they've even admitted and yet We'll push back on it based on something that was said in 2020 and go, oh, that whole thing's been debunked because he's never looked past that point. It looks like we got him back. Hey, brother. Hey, yeah, I don't know. I think I had uh, a program running. It looks like the restart fixed it. Very Good. sorry about that. Hey, no, no, no worries. No worries. So I was just kind of just riffing off, just kind of going off on the idea about the family unit. I was basically just saying that I wrote a paper when I was in culinary school. From a, from a culinary perspective, but also jokingly saying you can see my kind of conspiratorial mindset all the way back then about how the family unit was, was kind of destroyed by the lack of the family dinner and how that was engineered to a degree. But like the, the fact and again, it doesn't have to be the dinner, but just a point at which family co collect, discuss, engage with each other. How was your day? What did you learn? Let's challenge those ideas. Let's discuss them. That doesn't really happen anymore in a lot of family units, you know? And so it was kind of this early point about how that was, how that's been happening. So it kind of just overlaps with what we're talking about today and in how, you know, arguably, like I can't speak for you, but from my perspective, and I agree, I argue you're probably doing the same thing, doing your best to, to expose them to things that they might not think about and showing the source material and saying, look at this, think about this. And then having aggressive pushback, at least in my experience, with no willingness to engage in the information, you know? So let's go back to that first question, you know, your podcast, the name itself, how it started. And let's for fun, just like pluck out what do you think was like the first topic? Oh, shoot. <laughs> Looks like we lost him again. Ah, that's so frustrating. Well, let's see. I, what, what I think I'm going to do for those watching is maybe just go off on a few other things for the next 30 minutes or so and hope we get him back just so since we're here and we're doing this and make it worth your while. So I'll get into some information that I'm, I'm probably going to talk about today later in the show today. So you get like an insight. So, you know, value in general for the show, but hoping he comes back and we can jump back into it. But either way, interesting discussion. And I hope all of you out there, the most of the real takeaway is always for these conversations. One of the things we made these wristbands for all the way back in the beginning of our, one of our earliest rallies, you're not alone. And that's the truth. And I think everybody really needs to, be, to see how clear that is today, that you're not alone. If you think masks don't work, you're not alone in the context of being statistically significant, reducing transmission. If you believe these injections are hurting people, you're not alone. And in fact, I strongly believe that you are the majority based on any number of metrics you can see. The most obvious being the most the last push for the boost the bivalent injection. And having very, very, very low uptake on that, even from people like if you just take the percentage of people that had thus far followed the regimen whatever that means, that just do what you're told until we tell you not to. And, and looking at the percentage of how many of those have taken this, it's, it's very, very, very low. I think last time we looked, I think it's 12% of just in general, those that are eligible, which they include people that have never even gotten a shot, understand. So the point is that that number maybe goes up a little bit or down depending on what you include. But overall, it's, it's incredible to see that the, the stats out there today show you that you are the majority. How you doing? <laughs> Hey, gotcha. can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah. Can you hear me? I can. I can. Yeah. Sorry. I, uh, trying it from my phone. I don't know. I don't no know worries. what's going on with the connection. I, I think it must be my connection considering now that the phone is clear, but anyways, you could hear me. It probably sound 
not that no, great. Not, not that bad. I have a little bit of choppiness on the audio, but let's give it a shot and see what we got since we're here, right? No, no worries. I think that a lot of this is like the point that I always make is that whether or not this is some kind of manipulation, this is the type of thing that we will be seeing in the future of the technocratic censorship should they want that to be the case. This could just be a glitch. Who knows? But just consider that as we get rushed into this technocratic panopticon. But let's let's go back to the question of the beginning. If we can get we can just talk about the name of your podcast. Yeah. Why you named it that in general. And then, you know, like how the evolution pre COVID, but for fun, what was like the first topic that was like the, the big, you know, like, Oh, you believe that you're crazy. Like what started that kind of conversation? You know, what was that first conspiracy theory? You know? Um, it's hard to boil it down to just one. I mean, mm-hmm. it's really just my personality in general. And, and what I've been interested in is just far afield from what generally is a, uh, enjoyed by most people and be um, thought about, right? Because a lot of my family, you know, they're they're type A, so to speak, right? They're into sports, they're into what's on television, right. and none of that ever really jived with me. So, you know, all of that to say, I'm I'm sort of a black sheep, and and for whatever reason, I had this strange interest, like I was saying before, in military and politics. And then 9-11 happened. I got really fascinated with what was going on in the war in Iraq uh, at a young age, you know, like, but from a patriotic side of it. Mm -hmm. And, and as I got older, I started to realize, oh, I was lied to. That was propaganda. They were taking advantage of the fact that I was young and afraid and thinking these bad guys were out there and the other so that just got my gears turning and made me think like, okay, so they lied to us about that. They pulled off this nationwide hoax, you know, nine 11 truthfully was probably the first thing that got me, you know, in a red, uh, you know, hot water with my family because, mm-hmm. you know, being on the East coast, you can't, you can't question it. You know, you're, you're, you're a terrorist. If you question it, you know, like right. you're siding with the terrorists if you're questioning it. So right. um, that became very dis- divisive and, you know, especially in that atmosphere, having conservative parents, you know, they, they deemed me a bleeding heart liberal. I remember my grandfather calling me a bleeding heart liberal so many times. And luckily we, we, you know, he's still alive. Luckily we kind of saw eye to eye on Trump. Not that I was a fan of Trump, but I, I pointed out the fact that, you know, Hey Papa, like, you notice how this guy is universally hated by the media. You wonder why, you know, Mm -hmm. we started to have conversations about, you know, politics from that angle, which was constructive as opposed to early in my life where it was combative. It was debate Mm -hmm. and that sharpened me. It made me a great communicator, but it also alienated me from people who were not communicating at that level about Things that, you know, teenagers probably aren't thinking about it in large numbers. I was definitely in the minority. It might be different now with podcasts, but mm-hmm. yeah, that's all long ways of, of going around it. And and eventually I got into martial arts. I think martial arts and wrestling gave me the discipline to mm-hmm. stick with something long enough to get the most out of it. That's a big problem in today's culture is we have this you know, uh, abundance of information, but a reduction of time, right? That's the false paradigm, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Everybody thinks that they don't have enough time. So they're like, well, I'll just watch something short and that I'll learn from that. But 
Yes. Really, you know, what taught me the most after I dropped out of college in 2012 was reading and listening. And mm -hmm. at that time, I didn't know about podcasts. I didn't know they existed. But I found this whole archive of lectures uh, from a guy named Joseph Campbell. And that kind of reignited my interest in history and mythology. And although today I probably wouldn't agree with a lot of what Joseph Campbell's interpretations were, it, mm -hmm. it got the, the ball rolling to look at the world in a much different way. Because like I had mentioned, from a young age, I had this political conspiracy sort of mindset, which, you know, wasn't very healthy, to be honest. It wasn't a helpful you know, it made me paranoid. It made me distrustful of authority. It probably set me on a path where, you know, uh, for worse or for better without the podcast, I probably wouldn't have the best career choices in front of me. Right. So uh, that's, again, something I really am grateful for now because I've learned that made me into who I am. But at that age, you know, kind of becoming a dancing with the fringe elements of society is not a good sign, right? So um, this is all kind of leading up to me here in New Haven, Connecticut, turning my eyes onto Skull and Bones. And, mm -hmm. you know, around this time, I had a bunch of different odd jobs. You know, I was a delivery guy for a bakery. I was working at a farmer's market. I was a Chinese food delivery guy at one point. So I did a bunch of things that put me in odd situations. And some of these situations led me to learn about a group called Skull and Bones. And um, that's been my big point of research lately. But if it wasn't for the podcast, I wouldn't really have time to get into this stuff, right? Because mm -hmm. before the podcast, my family thinks I'm crazy. Uh, as, as I said, I was a delivery driver and I was listening to eight to 10 hours of podcast a day, right? This is after I discovered podcasting and Sam Tripoli was obviously someone that I was a big fan of. And I went to one of his shows in New York City. And at that point in my life, I was listening to his show. I was thinking to Sam, in my mind, I was thinking, oh, Sam should really have this spiritual book. Because he had mentioned some things on his show that sort of touched on it, but I didn't quite feel like anyone had brought him the Hermetic Principles on his show. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, you know, I'm going to give him this book. It has the Hermetic Principles in it. It's called The Kabbalion, K-Y-B-A-L-I-O-N, for anyone who's interested. And it's, a, it's a curious book. It's written by three anonymous authors. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's sort of a myth, mytholo mythologized text. So I give it to him and I'm just like any other fan at this point, you know, he's like, Oh, cool. Thank you so much. And, you know, nice to meet you. And Sam, now that I know him well, he's just as gracious as he is now, as he was then towards his mm -hmm. fans. He's a very kind guy, especially if you go see his shows or support him. So anyways, I talked to him for really briefly and then I messaged him on his Patreon. I said, Hey, did you read that book I gave you? And he said, you know, oh, no, I didn't have time, but come on my show and tell me about it. So that that kind of nice. got me into Sam's world on his Patreon. And he had me a bunch of times 
on his premium content. And then one thing led to another. He asked me who I should have on his new spiritual podcast. I gave him a list so long, he probably felt like he needed to hire me to do it myself, you know, do it for him. <laughs> so, you know, that kind of got me into working with Sam. And at that point in time, I had played around with making my own podcast, but I didn't really commit to anything serious. Uh, and Sam really kind of, uh, A, gave me the opportunity and B, uh, in a weird way, inspired the title because... As I got this cool new weird job from Sam during the height of the pandemic, I was psyched because I was going through all this crap at my job with the masks and all the things that they were telling us they were going to do. And, you know, it was Amazon. So it was, you know, mm-hmm. all the way up to the top as you can get. It was a good paying job, but it was like, you know, for the beast itself. So right. <laughs> you know, I was in the belly of it and, and, I decided, okay, well, I have this opportunity with Sam. It doesn't pay much, but I'm going to, you know, move in that direction, take a risk and see what happens, you know? And Mm -hmm. luckily I've done well enough to not be (laughs) living on the streets. Uh, Not great, but definitely well enough to where I'm like, wow, this is, this is what it's like to direct your own life or, or blaze your own trail, you know? And I, I'm really grateful to, you know, have, you know, very few bosses and one of them's a, a famous comedian. Right. So, um, but my other bosses are people who listen to my show in a way. Right. So, mm-hmm. um, but as I was saying, when I told my family, Oh, I'm quitting my job as delivery guy to work for some comedian in Los Angeles, they like, I live in Connecticut. So, you know, I can't just drive to go see Sam, you know, <laughs> where am mm-hmm. I going to get my paychecks? You know, they're like, what, you know, you're going to work for a guy in, in California. And right. I'm like, yeah, it's it's going to be great. And as I was driving home that day, I'm like, wow, my family thinks I'm crazy. And that's when it really <laughs> just like hit me like hard. Awesome. And, and because at that point in time, you know, obviously with the pandemic, people were scared and someone who isn't like me, who didn't have 10 years of research to be like, no, they're lying to us. And I know it for sure. And here's why. And there's experts who know more than me and, you know, so many people who are, for the most part, common sense, free thinkers, people who at this point in time are over it. They know what's up, especially right. here in Connecticut. You know, you think people are one way because of the, the Greenwich area, but the rest of Connecticut's very conservative and and has their mind uh, on the money with this thing. But anyways, yeah, it was it wasn't the wasn't the you know biggest conversation because there's sort of a suppression with these topics in the family atmosphere you know you 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 feel like oh if i if i to bring this up it's like the fly in the ointment or you know the but at that point it was the elephant in the room right and especially when it came down to like oh we're canceling thanksgiving and we're canceling christmas i mean i got very vocal about it with my family and said like well this is why i disagree with that you know here's some evidence and didn't sway them at all because they knew mark is the crazy guy mark is the one who's always believed in this stuff so if and if, if anything it almost discredited me amongst my family that's, to that's to how be, that's supposed to work yeah so you know I kind of saw all sides of it uh, after that. And that's why I'm 
especially grateful for all the new friends I've made in the podcast world. And that's partly why I started Alt Media United, a podcast cooperative. Uh, mm -hmm. Shortly after I started working with Sam, uh, I got into working with Alex Karras of the Skeptico podcast. He's been doing his podcast since, since 2007. And him and I started uh, the Alt Media Cooperative basically to give people a, a site where, you know, <clears throat> your podcast can be found. Because so many mm -hmm. of these apps that people listen to podcasts on, they shadow ban, censor, you know, I've, I've, my podcast luckily has broken the top 20 in the philosophy category in the United States. But then nice. very quickly, I had a show that was sort of, you know, a little bit dicey and it dropped mm -hmm. all the way to 90. And I'm like, I was in the top 20 only a week ago. Now all of a sudden I'm in the low 90s. Like what is going on there? So, you know, and that's very recent. But back then, when I first started doing this and started making connections, I realized like, okay, there's no competition in this podcast thing. We're all working together. A rising tide raises all ships. So mm -hmm. let's create an atmosphere where we can promote each other. We can sort of maybe pool resources if necessary and do it in a way where it doesn't compromise anybody's independence and integrity. Yes. Right. Because that's the number one thing is, you don't have to come to me to get paid to do your podcast. That's not what Alt Media United or really any podcast group should ever be about. Because I think if you have the right understanding of how to use your technology in front of you, your laptop, even your phone, uh, and then whatever equipment you add to that scenario, mm -hmm. you can pay for a new house. You could pay for your mortgage. You could pay for a new car. You know, like you can, you can find financial independence doing what you love. It might not be podcasting, but it, in this new, you know, fourth industrial revolution, new world, we're going to have to take those tools that they're using against us and use them for our own benefit. And I think podcasting, at least for me, given my skill set, my interests, it was an, an, a natural fit, you know, and yeah. it's been really cool to, to make friends in this community who have that same, um, you know, a skill set, motivation, discipline and goals, because, you know, quite honestly, there's a small percentage of us in the human population who are really the type to get active, get mobile, and maybe even have the integrity to stick with these things when you're getting, you know, hit on all sides, the propaganda, the double sided nature to these things where, you know, maybe your family agrees with you on one angle, but then they, they, they think you're nuts on the other thing. You know, they, they placate and, and say to your face like, Oh yeah, we trust that. Yeah. Okay. And then next thing you know, they turn around, they got a, whatever because they trusted their doctor over the article you sent them or you know and it it comes down to fear you know and i, I think unfortunately we live in a, a society where cowardice is encouraged and bravery is uh discouraged right. you know and and maybe that's, that's because of what's that 
I was just going to say they just it's Orwellian in nature that they call them the inverse, right? They don't name it yeah. cowardice. They just name cowardice as courage when they point at it in certain contexts, you know? Right. I, right. I really like the, the Alt Media United thing. I think I, someone even put that in front of me the other day, actually. And I, we should connect on this in general because we're, we're working on what pirate stream media, which is kind of the exactly what you're talking about, the, the pirate radio analogy, right? Finding a way to, to broadcast that in a way that won't be suppressed or shut down. And we, except, but we're kind of aiming it at like a media level, like broadcast level, right? So like these things, are, they, they're synergistic, right? We should, we, should, we should find a way to connect this because it's important. The more, the better, right? Same kind of idea. And I love the way that I love that you focused on the idea of, you know, it's important that we work together and cross you know, our, our polonizer audiences and so on. But the, one of the biggest problems of that in the past has been that people, and that, you know, rightly so, you know, you spend your, your time building something and then you feel that that gets, you know, chipped away at in some way when you try to become part of something larger, you know, and that is long, it's important that people can maintain their independence while doing this, you know, so it's mm. not all or nothing or one or the other. So I love the way that you frame that. Cause that's exactly how we're thinking about this, you know? So anyway, just gra- I'm glad to see that. And I think we need more of that going forward. I had a couple of questions in general about uh, like I thought it was an interesting difference where during the Trump t- era, whatever that is, even is, if I feel like we're still in that time frame. But the the idea that during that Trump administration that you, in fact, found a way to break through with your father during that time where it's the, pretty much the inverse for most people, you know, that during mm. that time frame, specifically on that topic, it was it was the kind of the, the fervor of that. You know, it was very hard to get someone to see one thing or the other when they were seeing what they thought was the, it's the same thing with in the midst of the COVID discussion. Like right now it's becoming more easy to get people to open their minds, still very difficult, but in the peak, it was, it, don't even try. I mean, it was like, it was just completely impossible. Sort of like the nine 11 point you made that, you know, don't even bring it up. You're a terrorist. You know, it's like, okay, we'll wait a year and then we'll have another constructive conversation. I just thought that was interesting, you know? And so it's, it's good to see that, like, I think that shows you that there shows all of us that there are agendas that in their own way actually have over the last so many years forced people to see the truth. And I don't think mm-hmm. that's intentional. You know what I mean? Do, do you see any of that happening throughout all this? Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting. I have a very, I'm grateful to have a, a variety of perspectives in my life from my mother to my father, you know, and both of their parents, my mother's parents actually grew up in Canada and, and emigrated to Connecticut. And on my father's side, they go back a couple generations and, and they've worked in jobs like firefighter, school teacher, water company, you know, uh, public zonings. So on my dad's side of the family, there are sort of this, uh, there's this tendency to forgive the state. There's this tendency to accept the government, even if it is oppressive or even if you don't agree. There's a tendency to believe in the system, believe in the two party narrative. It's, and it's with Trump, thing, right? Yeah, it, it's, it's, it's yeah. well, it's, it's not, it's not patriotic as much as it is cultural to, you know, local, small community. I mean, wherever you are in this country, I think cities is a little different for sure. You have a different atmosphere in cities, but I grew up in what you could call like a suburb between cities and, uh, and for the most part, you know, blue collar. And, and I would say it's not really even like patriotism as much as it's like, you know, it's all, you know, you know, like, I don't really think, 
they're thinking about it on the level of like, well, I'm, I'm rooting for America because I'm not a communist. You know, it's just like, well, we root for America because yeah. we're American, you know, like right. See, that, it, real quickly. That's an interesting thing that pe- like this is a small example of what we're always like, that people are just going through the motions of what they think they're supposed to be doing. And I mm-hmm. think that point without you can't talk about that without acknowledging why that's happening, that people, you know, think that their neighbors will see them saying or doing the wrong thing and that will reflect on, you know, or maybe a larger point. But right. that's interesting that it comes down to just doing what you're supposed to do well, and, and I how think, that comes from. I think a patriotic person is someone who participates in patriotism in some way. And I think there's a great way to do that. I mean, and there's other, I mean, there's a whole spectrum of ways to do that. There's people who participate in civil war reenactments. I mean, that's patriotic to a certain degree. My family, I mean, they got riled up when 9-11 happened. That wasn't because they're patriotic. That's because everybody got programmed to be patriotic right. at that point in well, time, right? And I would, so you, you should add, too, that it's perceived patriotism, too. Like, mm-hmm. we're not arguing that these actions are necessarily patriotic. You could feel right. that way. It's up to you to decide, just to make that clear for people, that, but yeah. that they perceive that as being the patriotic thing to do in some cases, and that's why they would do it. But So it, it overlap, you think? Yeah. Yeah, I, I think the uh, the... The point overall is with Trump, you know, it wasn't that like, oh, all of a sudden for the first time we saw eye to eye. It was like they recognized that I wasn't wrong when I was bringing up a point that had all of the hallmarks of all of the points I'd made in the past. Right. It, was, it didn't change. My story didn't right. change, but I had a better case than ever for an example to show why i was thinking this way right look at this guy he's the president we elected him look at how he's being treated and it was very clear you know they didn't need me to explain it to him but i was able to come in and have that sort of validation temporarily from certain family members and and it allowed for the discussion but i think that's why you know things that were very extreme like QAnon. um and I'm not going to say that this is extreme because there are real criminals who are guilty of this, but I think it got conflated, you know, the whole, um, what's it called? Pizza gate, right? That oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't disagree with some of the conspiracy theories about that place at all, but I also right. think that there's a certain, um, distasteful energy that that conversation brings up that mm-hmm. unfortunately makes less people interested for whatever reason in helping. And, you know, we need more people. I'm convinced convinced that there was an agenda over the top of very Mm -hmm. real things to make it look ridiculous. And there, you know, I'm sure we could talk about that for hours, but I'm glad you brought that up because it's, it's one of the perfect examples of how these things, how truth can be buried by a bunch of propaganda nonsense and the misrepresentation of what the core value of the conversation is in the corporate media. It's it's painful. Well, and, and that's the real, issue with that one in particular is because there are real victims in that situation and they get used Mm -hmm. to conflate uh the situation and i don't disagree with people who claim that you know maybe these politicians are doing crazy you know blood sacrifice rituals i think there's a possibility there's a probability there um Mm -hmm. but again i don't think that's the conversation that you start with when you're talking to somebody who's on the fence right you know because if we're going to eventually you know make any headway with 
taking the truth away from authority and bringing it back to the people, taking the power along with that truth. You know, we can't just like black pill people. And I hate to use that tired uh, analogy, but people understand what I mean by that. Like there's red pill, there's black pill. Obviously, black pills, the harsher of the two and blue pills, the opposite of what we're trying to do here. Um, well, and do, do me a yeah. favor. Do me a favor. Flesh, let's flesh that out for me because I, I, this is an interesting conversation about how terms, well, obviously red, blue, red pill, blue pill goes back to like the matrix conversation, right? The idea of awake, going awake, awakening and accepting harsh truths or going back to sleep. Then all of a sudden there was this black pill conversation that people added to it, which as far as this, the surface level mainstream, if you just look up what black pill means, it's sort of a negative thing. It's sort of mm. like a, a negative for the person that it's happening to, not even in the way that it's because it's uncomfortable. So what do you perceive as the word of the term black pill meaning in, in, as, as it's presented to people? Because I honestly don't know. Like, I'm, I, mean, I, I find it to be a superfluous addition. Like, why do we need a black pill conversation? Red and blue sums it all up. It's either waking up or going back to sleep. To add another layer to it is a partisan thing. That's how I've always perceived it. So what do you think? Yeah, it's just an emotional qualifier. That's all. I mm -hmm. think it's reactionaryism. You know, like there are yeah. there are young people who got uh, red pilled. Maybe they felt like you know some kind of doom from that. I I don't ever feel anything but optimism. I mean, as dark as some of these things get, I feel like learning about the truth or learning about what they don't want us to know and having the common sense or the rationale, the logic to look at the facts, decide for yourself what you think's going on, really ask yourself, trust your intuition. I think that's the most optimistic because when I'm doing that, I know I'm not being controlled. I know the government doesn't have their thumb over me, right? So right. I think more people need to get objectivity. Sorry, go ahead. There's a delay. Mm. No, 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 absolutely. Yeah. And I think more people need to understand that. Unfortunately, you know, People have written books about this, John Kleisek's uh, School World Order and, and many other you know, great authors have, have contributed to this sort of um, breakdown of education system in the United States. And it's no surprise that we're like, what, 10th or something in the nation, you know, in the list of nations, education rankings, right? So we're being purposefully manipulated to not think critically, not learn about things that are relevant to our modern day that are of, you know, recent history. And I even think, you know, as much as I'm a fan of this topic, I think it's propaganda. Tartaria, the old world, I think there's a lot of propaganda within that genre. Yes, there's true information and maybe some people will be upset with that, me saying that, but I think the, the idea that all of our history has been reset only 200 years ago and everything before that is a lie is nonsense and that's the kind of thing that a government would want to propagandize people about because they're they're doing the same things out of a playbook that the roman emperors did they're doing pharaoh moves right so they don't want us to know what the roman emperors and the pharaohs got away with because they're kind of repeat history right so they want to delete history and i think that's a really big danger right now now that we're moving into the internet age and things literally can be erased with the click Absolutely. of a button uh and that's why in a different way with deep fake technology too that's the craziest part we're at a whole nother level now we're not just deleting it but redesigning it and re-putting it back and putting it back out in a different way i'm i yeah. think i feel like it's been happening a long time 
right? I mean, you can go back to Stalin in that classic picture where somebody's basically etched, you know, photoshopped out of his photo all the way back then, you know, and then at now today consider that they just add more people next to him. You know, it's like, my God, think about what that, I argue when we see these collapses, like where YouTube goes dark, the few times we've seen that happen, I'm like, what did they just change on a massive scale? Like, what did they just wipe out or add to history that we don't even recognize right now in small ways? Just thinking about that, it's possible, you know, that, that's a great mm. point you make there though. So do you think that the, uh, the argument of that being you know, some the like the conspiracy theory about whether or not history is just, you know, co-opted or changed, that that is a lie to hide that the truth is there. Is that what you're saying? Is it interesting? Because I'm, you know, always question everything, but I think that's an interesting point. Yeah, I think history is a long, 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 long story, and it takes really smart people to sift through it sometimes. And, and I think, you know, with the Internet, they know that there are very smart people out there who are going outside of the university system to learn about history. So, of course, they want to try to muddy the water and throw all kinds of junk in it because they don't want podcasters saying, hey, look at what the Romans did this time and this time and this time and this time. Look at what they said here. Doesn't it seem similar to what they're doing now? Or, you know, and I'm I'm picking on the Romans. We could look at the Chinese empire. They've done some stuff. You know, we could look at the the Aztec empire. They've done some stuff, right? So it's not just, it's not just one empire. I'm, I'm not blaming any one empire, but I'm saying history in general is a wealth, uh, uh, a wellspring <laughs> that we need to tap. That's why I have so many books behind me uh, because they can't deep fake books. They can't go in right. and, and edit any of my books. They're on my shelf and my door right. is locked. So uh, yeah, I, I I'm a big fan of books and, and people, I think, unfortunately going back to the technology aspect, as much as we have an abundance of information, we have a reduction of time and you know, they're not, incentivizing children to spend time reading books as much as they should be uh, unless there's a drag queen reading it to them of course and then it's okay, oh my right? god <laughs> yeah well that's another thing i'm not gonna bu- sit here and bully fiction you know because i'm not a fan of fiction personally when i was a kid i didn't like fiction very much after a certain age and i felt like that was appropriate i felt like i grew out of it And I was surprised to see people reading fiction into high school because I'm thinking to myself, I like reading about what's going on in the world. You know, I I would sit sometimes with an encyclopedia and just find a random thing, you know. And so I'm a weird guy, but I think that unfortunately that's by design to make guys like me weird. Right. So where learning is is not, you know, not the cool in in vogue thing. (laughs) It it comes exactly. I mean, so exactly right. And it comes back to this point that we're seeing literally everywhere you look today. Objectivity is being framed as extremism. It's Mm. mind blowing. Right. Where you're you're either on one side of the partisan field, which then they call the edges of that extreme. But then if you're in the middle, basically going, uh, you want to share something? Oh, just bringing this no. back. Yeah, I'm just gonna see if my connection's any better. Yeah. I'm, it looks like it's working. I'm doubling up. But what what I was saying was, uh, I I got the other one pulled down. What I was saying though is that you know that objectivity is being framed as extremism. You know, and where we're literally in the middle, just basically going like, you know, let's wait for more evidence. And it's like you're crazy, you're extreme. Like, I mean, it's it's everywhere I'm seeing this stuff today, and everywhere you post these comments, like the I'm uh, the example foremost, my, the forefront of my mind is the Twitter files. And how it's just like everybody's jumping on this despite no source material yet being added. Could you hear me that whole time just in case? 
just just tried to test it, but uh, okay. no. Well, either way, the, my, the point is the objectivity being the problem for them, which overlaps with what you were saying, that, you know, anybody out there that's like, like at that time being a child that is, or a young adult at a point where you're like more interested in like vetting what they're saying and reading history, <laughs> they're, they're terrified of that. Like they want you to go through their regimen, their Prussian-based school system, come out a working obedient, you know, obedient worker in the, in the tri triage medical system. You know, the, everything we deal with is about keeping you in the system you know right. and so it's like we out there to, we can be objective and just simply even people that are continuing to let's just say people their entire career have shown that they are on your side as you perceive that the next thing they do you should question it you should say is that right could they be wrong are they lying i don't know why that's not just logic today you know and i think that's what they're so afraid of is getting rid of this, you know, the family conversing and saying like, what do you think? Is it possible? And, and engaging with those ideas, no matter whether they're outside what you think is normal, you know, it's just, it's mm. so clear that, that is like the, the kryptonite to what they're doing today. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I do think that, uh, the trail is there to be traced. Uh, I think that they can't erase history. They can't, um, erase their crimes out of history so to speak i think they can only separate themselves with time and hope that people are ignorant enough to uh to wait long enough so that when they finally you know catch on to it it's it's generations later uh i was just looking at cecil Rhodes last night and uh this strange story of a comedian, go figure, named uh, Barney Barnato, who worked with Cecil Rhodes, or really was more of a rival, uh, until Cecil Rhodes sort of tricked him and then suicided him, right? And the, he's one of the many unsolved historical deaths. I don't know how I found myself on that Wikipedia page, but it's an interesting Wikipedia page. Um, and yeah, like, I think that's really you know, just one little fascinating tidbit amongst the many things that you can find if you're just curious enough to go searching on the internet and know what to look for. I mean, personally, I stumbled into this understanding at college when I was in community college in New Haven, Connecticut. Um, I went to a community college right next door to Yale University. So, uh, during my between class periods, I would wander around town and naturally I was in Yale's campus. They're like the impression on New Haven. I mean, really New Haven doesn't have a cultural identity really anymore outside of Yale. Unfortunately, mm -hmm. it used to be kind of a jazz center, cultural sort of like Italian kind of neighborhood and it's still there, but it's very muted by Yale's dominating presence and right. the presence of blight and crime that promulgates the surroundings because Yale is literally a parasite on New Haven. Uh, but that's a different topic. I was in Yale, you know, sifting around through their campus and uh, I ran into a very curious guy from Arizona, an Apache a guy who happened to be homeless and he happened to tell me this very strange story that, you know, and kind of being a little coy here, he became him and I are still friends to this day, 10 years later. Um, nice. He became sort of like a mentor to me and he taught me about this one really interesting story 
about Geronimo. And uh, my friend Thomas actually printed a comic book called Geronimo's Grave. If anybody likes comic books and still reads comic books, you can go to paranoidamerican.com uh, and get that comic book. But he told me this story about Geronimo, the great Apache, whose skull and femur bones were robbed from his grave and taken to the tomb in new haven and he told me that's why he moved to new haven from arizona and i was perplexed at you know 18 i'm like wow what are you talking about mm -hmm. you know is are you lot you know like i had heard stuff about skull and bones but i had never heard it from anybody in person and mm -hmm. uh yeah, he broke down a lot of stuff for me and, and set me on this kind of synchronistic journey. As I was telling you before, uh, being a bakery delivery guy, I actually delivered to various um, school buildings throughout Yale's campus. So I was kind of like an inside man. I was just kind of floating around with this knowledge of what to look out for and and just kind of enjoying the opportunity to you know be amongst a very privileged very uh, elite group of people to be honest i mean the uh, extravagance is is hard to not notice when you're yeah. in this campus but you know that being said it was synchronistic like for example i was in the former home of george hw bush the day he died or at least the day it was announced he died right and i i didn't know that was his home until mm -hmm. i was walking out of the building and looking down at the local newspaper, the campus newspaper, and it said, former resident of New Haven, 88 Hill House Avenue, passed away, George H.W. Bush. Uh, and I'm like, whoa, George H.W. Bush, president, skull and bones. I'm in his yeah. house, and I've been going through his house for months, you know, and just dropping off these pastries every Tuesday. So, you know, things like that kind of kick fired me so, or got me into uh researching and you know synchromistically is is a word that i learned about through podcasting and mm -hmm. i i didn't realize this is how i approached my research until i learned that there are other people like me out there talking about this stuff on podcasts and and I'm very grateful to those people. Some of them have become my friends even because right. they've taught me a bunch, you know, a bunch mm -hmm. of, of different things about the rest of the country and the rest of the world that I didn't know about. And all of those have uh, worked themselves into what I'm doing now with my research into skull and bones and really disappointed that my connection is so crappy today. I don't know. It's never been like this. And I had a, a, a slideshow I wanted to show you. Um, and it, my computer is like not letting me do it. So I, I apologize to you and your audience that I'm no, not no uh, here at my best. No worry. It was only right in the beginning that it was the whole, this on your phone has been pretty solid, but you know, if, if you, if you send it to me, I'll include it show notes. Also, you cool. should send me, send me a link when we're done. If you've done any, like the, what you think are your best, episodes like going into this topic you know and stuff you've seen that that would be interesting to people you know the, the, the overall over interesting point is just you know that there's such an a wealth of information out there and yeah some of that could be wrong some of it could be you know incomplete that's just the way of the world you know the idea that we're supposed to only look at authoritative sources whatever that even means in their definition because 
whatever they tell you that means, this will be the full pit. We know that's not true. Historically, you can prove that's almost never the case. Usually it's the other way around. And whether that may have changed today is, you know, the point is question it. That's simple. And But listen and look into these alternative sources. And in, in ca- these cases, your podcast, you know, other people out there doing shows like this, listen, engage, ask questions, because you'll find some interesting things that will open your mind to entire possibilities, entire conversations you didn't even consider before that. And that's what I love about this kind of that. Again, this is what they're so afraid of. They're afraid of people opening their mind to different possibilities. And they really need people to stay inside the lines, you know, which is where we'll kind of end on in general is I think that where this goes is that the technocratic level of this, we're talking about the censorship and really a classic line that I've said and a classic phrase that's been said for a long time. I just kind of say that the, the, uh, how did I phrase it before? That the history is written by the winning hand, right? It's been said many times throughout history, right? The idea is that these people that are in control whether through a legal war, which is what we're seeing today, you know, they're the ones that historically have been writing down the history that we then engage with. And it's just as likely as anything else that that's completely bastardized and wrong and misrepresented, like the official story of 9-11 or the Iraq war, WMDs. I mean, it's like it's amazing we can't you know, engage with that. The point is, go, some people can't. The point is going into the technocratic future they're building. That's going to that that is the absolute What's the right word to put in there? It's just that that is the end of any kind of pushback there if they achieve what they're going to do, because then there's no like you're saying the books, the the references, the kind of things that we could rely on that might not be bastardized and manipulated. That will become the time of the past. Everything will be tightly controlled through the flow of information. You'll be social credit boxed out of certain things. Maybe you won't even be able to get in a library if you don't have your ID, right? Your digital ID. Like that's where this stuff goes, assuming there's even libraries left at that point, right? I'm definitely very concerned about that. And it's the kind of work like we're doing, like you're doing, like people out there that are just trying to remain objective that they're trying to focus on first. So I just well, appreciate you taking the time to talk about this today. So what do you think about that going into the future? Yeah. And, you know, I would say stone, man, stone is immortal. Right. And and if you look at the real people in charge, they put their message in stone because they know stone is not going to change. I think that's why the Georgia Guidestones blew up, right? I mean, stone's not indestructible, but it's more mm-hmm. permanent than paper and all that, right? So I would I would turn people on to to that and say, you know, look at the look at, you know, who's building, what they're building, what kind of art, what kind of structures, mm-hmm. what kind of message are they trying to send? I think that's, you know, slightly joking here but i think that's like the the thing that like i was saying something to my girlfriend the other day like we're kind of living in a weird time like one foot in the analog and one foot in the digital like you know 100 200 years from now they might just be able to you know render a realm and like at that point will we be the last people to know what the real realm was like, or will this ever like, this isn't a real realm at that point. Right. Cause it's all, mm. they're all just, so I think we're heading into weird territory. I think the, the comforting thing for me is going into the past because it seems less, it's going to sound crazy, but it seems less uh, crazy in the past than it does what we're heading for in the future. I don't um, think people but, think it's that crazy. I think everybody's, I, I mean, I've never seen this many people at least pushing back on the current moment. I think everybody's mm. pretty terrified about where they think they are right now. There's a pretty effed up things in the his, in history, but at least they were happening for the most part 
right in front of you. Like this stuff, there seems like there's this entire, like we're just looking through the crack of the door and we're just mm. starting to see how this un, this insurmountable problem, you know? So I, I, I think more people agree with you than you think. Well, and, and again, you know, as I was saying earlier, when you look to history, you see what could be happening in the future. So I think actually by going in reverse, we might push that door a little further wide open and reveal that, you know, nothing's new under the sun. And and these Klaus Schwab's are just trying to fulfill the, the you know, hopes and dreams of who they think they're related to some Octavius, whoever from the Roman Empire, you know, like that's right. kind of. I think when you put it in that perspective of like, well, they're just human beings too. I don't negate the possibility that there are entities of any origin, extraterrestrial, interdimensional. I don't know. I mean, that is a part of this whole outlook on conspiracies. There's that element of, well, what about the non-human element? And, you know, I think there's, sort of some fear in that that might be again another one of these things that's less helpful than it is you know constructive right we want to be constructive and actually make an impact on our local government and if we tell our friends that well it's because reptilians are running the government that's not gonna you know that's not gonna help right i, I think if people are already at the point where they they accept that possibly okay maybe open that conversation up but we need to start to be more i'm speaking for myself i don't want to be prescriptive and tell anybody what to do but personally i need to be more um grounded in that and not so worried about okay it's aliens and they're gonna you know like because those things until i experience them you know, it's harder to prove. What I can prove is economic oppression. I could drive down the the street and see that, you know, what I can prove is, you know, uh, less jobs, you know, there's plenty of factories just along this river valley that I'm on where they're just shut down because all the jobs went somewhere else, you know, and, and people act like that's only in the rust belt in the Midwest. No, there's a rust belt up here in new England too. And, you know, it's, it's, like I said, Yale is, is one thing, but Yale is a, a microcosm. It represents mm-hmm. what's really going on in America because Yale is a pre-American institution. Yale's been around right. since the 1717, I think, around there, 1717, which is curiously the same year Freemasonry officially started. But uh, yeah, Yale Yale is a pre-American institution and it's curiously sympathetic to foreign foreign interests. So, you know, I'm not suggesting anything, but I do think that we need to start to look at some of these universities and ask ourselves, like, you know, how American are these institutions and what are they teaching our children? You know, because it doesn't look like we're creating productive members of society anymore. I mean, there was a certain point where we, we were creating worker bees, and I think that's different. But we're not, you know, we've hit the apex of of universities. I think we need to start to call these institutions into question because they're very uh, wealthy. You know, they have a lot of money and they're not using it 
wisely, in my opinion. But what do I know? I'm a college dropout. <laughs> well, I, I think to, to sum it up, I think that, you know, it's it's just about having skepticism about them. Like, look, I, I put I question whether these are ever been the right direction for most people. And that's just on a general part, like taking at face value what they claim they're actually even trying to accomplish. Like that's just basic college in the way that it's per perceived. I don't even know if that's necessary or right for most people. Cause I mean, it's, there's a whole conversation to be had there, but taking it to the next level, you know, about whether their intentions are in, are what we think that they are and whether you think that's a foreign entity or not, which, and that's very relevant and important for a lot of different reasons, but just simply that it, it's, it, if you're shaping the minds of these people in very, I mean, you could just take like the woke policies today and how that is really influencing a certain generation. It's very concerning seeing as how most people seem to at very least question what that comes from and the validity of some of these mindsets, but yet it seems pretty ubiquitous in the, in the college sphere. That's crazy. It doesn't even align up with most people want or think, but to, to, again, to, to kind of wrap it up, I think, you know, let's just take the specific like reptilian point there. You know, I look, it's, we should be asking these questions no matter how crazy you think that is. Personally, I don't think that's the case, but I, I, I like you could take overlap that with like the David Icke kind of the, the, the actual perception of what he brings up. Not that there are reptiles in human skin, but there's more of a nuanced perspective on what that means. But the point is ask questions because if we can't acknowledge that it's possible that our history was written incorrectly and that there was more going on before this or other civilizations we don't know about. I mean, there is some level of evidence to these things. The point is not that you have to blindly follow one or the other. Just be open to different possibilities, you know? I mean, right. you, this is the interesting thing we're seeing today, that now people are suddenly starting to open their minds to things like, you know, like just taking something that should have been a basic possibility from the beginning is that could vaccinations hurt people? Like, well, obviously they always have been to a degree we should have been debating on how much but then it became you're not even allowed to bring it up even before covid right but now people are like maybe they are maybe there are nazis in ukraine maybe this is happening right opening their mind to this and i think it's interesting because moments ago that was off limits that was the reptile conversation now the point is push the boundary go to the next conversation ask whether or not this happened ask whether or not we even understand this correctly the problem is that we have drawn these artificial lines around us you know, and that just that right now is outside the realm of what we're supposed to be asking. But there shouldn't be a line. Right. We should always be open to asking these questions. And that's why I enjoyed this conversation. today. And I think that your podcast is, you know, definitely something people should check out, open people's minds to some things like I if you look at my older work. I was I loved and I still do getting into some really interesting conversation. I'll talk about anything. I'll get into the craziest thing. As, because the problem is today people are afraid of that because then you think you get you get framed as the guy who believes or is willing to entertain these things. Well, yeah, that's me. I'm willing to entertain anything, but I'll question everything, right? Mm -hmm. But today I've gotten a lot more focused on politics and and that's kind of the show. But I I'm I'm very interested in this stuff and that's why I love to get into it because people think that you know there's these lines anyway. Same point challenge everything and i love that coming from you so anything else you want to shout out today before we wrap up new work you have coming upcoming events anything like that and go ahead and shout out your your alt uh, media group again so people can know where to look for that altmediaunited.com yeah we have over 100 podcasts a part of the cooperative everybody from the higher side chats to tinfoil hat grimerica show aeon bite i mean i could keep naming but then i would feel like i'm leaving people out and i have to be yeah, right. naming 100 <laughs> podcasts but there's a bunch of great podcasts on the cooperative none of them pay to be a part of it uh it's a free service that we offer because i personally believe there should be a website where people can go to find all of these cool podcasts and if you like the cool podcasts I make, I got a couple of them. I got the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast. 
Uh, I got an Esoteric America podcast. You can find both of those on the same feed, whether it's Rockfin or YouTube. We're both we're on both. Uh, and then I also do a show with my friend Michael Wan. It's uh, called Your Handbook for the Apocalypse. You can find that nice. on the Susquehanna Alchemy RSS feed. So all of that is on my website, myfamilythinksimcrazy.com. And then it's all on altmediaunited.com. All the shows, oh, yeah. all of my work. Um, shout out to Alex Karras, of course. He's uh, sort of like my co-founder with Alt Media United. And, uh, and Al Borealis, my friend from the north up there in Norway, uh, Forum Borealis. He's also a big help with Alt Media United. And uh, yeah, it's been a pleasure getting to know you, brother. It's been a pleasure having uh, you on my show and then doing uh, this show with you. Uh, I think I'm going to take the recording, if you allow it, and uh, put it at the end of our interview for people. And then uh, they'll get a little taste of both. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, I, I just wanted to... Uh, I, oh, that's right. I was—I didn't want to forget. I, I if let's let's get TLAV daily wrap up as well as rebunked on on the on yeah. the, the podcast setup. That'd be great. We're gonna get absolutely, the yeah, possible, right? Outstanding. Yeah, please, well, yeah, well, I'll thank, send you an email. Well, thank you for for joining today, man. And I really think that the, you know, hopefully, this opens to people's minds to just other conversations and things they should be asking, and really highlight the point that you know it is we're in an interesting time where there are still people that are putting their head in the sand and just refusing to even engage with a possible conversation. And it just, how we can think that's ever the right path, how we ever thought that blows me away. But I think more and more people are opening their minds. And I think we just need to reflect on that family dynamic and realize how important that is. And from from people in your perspective, or even mine, continuing to try to bridge that gap even much as it may not even happen, but continuing to try because family is important and realizing that everybody, like we were talking about before, like pre nine 11, I was completely lost. I was completely like, didn't question the media, you know, and then, and then you open your mind to it. So we were all there at one point. Right. So just showing that mm. compassion for people like that too, you know, doing your best, but uh, yeah. thank you for being here, brother. And yeah. as always, everybody out there question, everything, come to your own conclusions, stay vigilant.